Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. In case you don't know me, as I was introduced, my name is Sujit. I was born in Nigeria. Any Nigerians in the house? Oh, there's a few. It's great. I feel at home now. Born in Nigeria. I live in Bury St. Edmunds, just down the road in A14. Uh, and uh, I lead Beacon Church. And it's just a great joy to be back again uh, at, at King's Church. And uh, just I honor this house and I honor Pastor Phil and what he carries. And it's always such a joy to be back. And I thank God for the leaders that stand with Pastor Phil and build this great vision that God has uh, given the city of Cambridge. And uh, you, you guys know this already, and you don't need reminding, but this is not just a local church, it is a church that has national and global influence. And the fact that you guys get to participate in this, not online, but in person week after week, is a privilege, and don't take that for granted. So uh, let's put our hands together for this church, for Pastor Phil, for all that God is doing here, for the leaders, for the amazing teams that serve. Absolutely incredible. Um, when I was uh, born in Nigeria, uh, as, as um, I was born, I, was, I, I, um, contradicted, uh, I, uh, I contracted uh, three deadly diseases all at the same time. And uh, the, um, my, my parents lived in a very remote area at the time, the nearest hospital that had like a, a pediatric clinic and a pediatric consultant was about 150 kilometers away. And uh, long story short, the consultant wiped his hands clean and said, there's nothing more that we can do. And, uh, and, and, and I was slipping away from life. Both my mom and dad were followers and believers in Jesus Christ. And they prayed that God would somehow do a miracle. <clears throat> and, uh, and so my, my, the pupils in my eyelids had flipped backwards. My skin had turned blue. I'd stopped eating. I'd stopped drinking. And uh, there was nothing that they could do anymore. And, uh, and my parents prayed, and uh, all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, there was another child next to me uh, who also had similar symptoms. That, that child passed away. And all of a sudden, I just came back to life, miraculously. They, they didn't know what happened. Uh, so much so that uh, they, they, had to, they had to try. Obviously, when I was slipping away, they tried to resuscitate me. And bring me back to life, and they couldn't do that. Uh, but uh, it was such a miraculous turn of events that the very next day I actually got discharged because they said, We don't know what's happened. It's just miraculously, this child just acting normal again. Now, I had grown all my life hearing this story, my parents told me. But this year, for the first time, um, my mom and dad, when they came to visit, uh, I didn't know this, but my dad had kept the hospital notes from the time this happened. And for the first time in my life, I saw in my doctor's own handwriting, uh, written February, uh, I can't remember the date now, child, <laughs> child needed to be resuscitated. And I remember reading that and going, my goodness, that's me. And uh, the doctor who was looking after me was born and raised a Buddhist, but he was a man who didn't have any faith. He was an atheist. And he looked at my parents and said, in all my medical experience, I have never seen anything like this. 
And then he added these words. He said, only your God could have done this. And I want to say to you that God is still in the business of rewriting reports and correcting stories. And he still has the final word on any situation. So I don't care how many experts have written you off. If God has written you in, then that is the final word. I don't care how many people have voted you out. If God has counted you in, then that's all that matters. I don't care how many people have rejected you and left you and walked away from you. If God has embraced you, that's all that matters. I don't care how many people have spoken negative reports over you. But if God has spoken the positive reports of his life over you, that is all that matters. And you have to be in expectation when the word of God is being preached because today he might release one word that could rewrite reports that have existed in your family tree for ages and you look back at this day and say that was the day something flipped and switched in my life and put me on course to experience everything God has for us and so I hope you're excited as I am as I am excited in sharing the word of God so if you have a Bible we're going to Mark chapter 1 And uh, then we'll go to Mark chapter 2. I just want to read a couple of bits from Mark chapter 1. We're going to read one verse. Mark chapter 1 verse 21. And then we'll skip to verse 32. Mark chapter 1 verse 21. And then we'll skip to verse 32. It's on the screen uh, just behind me. So uh, this is what it says. They went to Capernaum. And when Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. Have you ever seen anything on TV where there's a, there's a football match on or there's a concert on or there's some event on and uh, as soon as the ticket sales become available online, they're sold up and they, the, the event is sold out in five minutes, ten minutes, half an hour because there is such a demand for the show or such a demand for the game, such a demand for the concert and this is what is about to happen. Jesus is touring different cities, he's touring different villages and he's come to this village called Capernaum and he comes and, and they, these guys begin to hear about this man called Jesus for the first time. So he's teaching and then he spends the whole day here in Capernaum. Watch what happens that evening. Verse 32. That evening, that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon possessed. Next verse. The whole town gathered at the door. Next verse. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. So, my goodness, by evening, this man's fame, Jesus' fame had got so high that people were like, Hey, listen, do you know anybody who's sick? Like, we need to go to this house in Capernaum. Obviously, back in the day, they didn't have stadiums and auditoriums, so meetings were held in houses. (coughs) And Jesus is at this house, and by evening... He is famous, so everyone who's sick is coming to him. Everyone who's got any issue is being brought to him. And whoever comes to him, they're being healed. Can you imagine what that town felt like by that evening? Because the story after story after story in Capernaum spreading, hey, I was paralyzed, I can walk. Hey, I was blind, I can see. Hey, do you know my cousin who couldn't hear? He can hear now. Hey, do you know... Do you know this person who was, who was bedridden for the past five years? He's up again. You know that person who couldn't speak? Uh, they, they, they had a speech impediment. Now they can speak again. And so you can imagine the buzz that night because it doesn't, see, it doesn't say few. The Bible says Jesus healed many who had various diseases. So this was story after story after story of healing, miracles. And, 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 and he has become really famous. So that is... Tour number one. That's the first time he comes to Capernaum. After a few days, 
he decides to come back to this place for Capernaum. And that's where we pick up the story. So Mark chapter 2 verse 1, if we skip to the next chapter and the first verse, you see his second visit to this town. This is what it says. Look, after a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum. You see the word again there? The word again there means this was his second visit. The first visit was great. But look what happened this time. He entered Capernaum. Obviously, the people heard that he had come home. What happened when they heard that he was home? So many gathered there that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Let's go to the end of the story. Keep reading verse by verse. Verse 3. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. Verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, take your mat, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, walked out in full view of them. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. In the last verse, verse 13, Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him. And he began to teach them. Let's go back to verse 1 and have that on the screen. So you get the story so far. Uh, Pray with me for a moment. And I'm going to talk to you from the word of God today. Father, we want to thank you for every person that is gathered here under the sound of my voice. Thank you for what you're about to do. We give you praise in advance that today the sick will be healed. Those who are stuck will have acceleration and momentum. Those who walked in guilty will go away feeling embraced and shame-free. I thank you that today something good will happen to us because you are a good God and we expect that and we declare that and we thank you in advance for that in Jesus name amen so you can understand on tour number two he's back in Capernaum he's obviously now very famous and the Bible says the the room was filled I mean there was no space for anybody to sit so much so there was there was not even space at the door so it was jam-packed all the way to the back and uh, you, can you remember what happened the first time he was in town? What happened? He was teaching and preaching and that evening what happened? Loads and loads of people came and they were all healed, right? So Jesus is here on his second trip to Capernaum. The room is full. He's preaching. And as the meeting is going on and Jesus is the speaker, four people arrive carrying four corners of a mat And on that mat is a paralyzed man. I want you to think for a moment what that man feels at that moment. Because he is also from Capernaum. And Capernaum is not a large city like London. It's a village. It's a small town. And in one of those villages back in the day, everybody knew everybody's business. Everybody knew everything about everybody. And can you imagine what's it like to live in a village or a town where you know that all your friends got healed, but you're still on the mat. What would he feel like? Because in trip number one, the blind got healed, 
the deaf could hear, the lame could walk, demoniacs were set free, and it's miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle, story after story after story after story, except for one bloke who's still lying on his bed. You know, that's why sometimes church, for some people, if you're really honest, can get a bit discouraging. Because people get up and say, hey, you never guess what happened. I had my miracle. And sometimes I sit there and go, it's okay for you. I've been waiting for that same miracle five years. Nothing happened. I prayed the same prayers you prayed. I served in the same team you served. I brought my tithes, my offering. I went to Pastor Phil. He played his hands on me, legs on me. Every, I tried everything, but you seem to have... You seem to have your miracle. What about me? What do you do when you're surrounded by stories of what God can do? And you're almost like, hey, God seems to do this for everybody, but what about me? Have you ever thought about that? If you're really honest, we have at some point wondered, what is it about me? Why is it that everybody seems to have all these crazy stories of God did this and did that and moved here and moved there? And you're going, yeah, man, like that's ha- I'm, I'm happy for you. But I'm like, I'm really wondering, what's wrong with me? This man is lying paralyzed on a mat. So his four mates, I think, or relatives or friends say, hey, listen, Jesus is back in town and the event is sold out. There's no room even at the door, but let's go. In other words, this guy was late for the meeting. Now imagine what he feels like. Right? Have you ever wondered how to process life, number one, when you think, God, I'm in a church where every week there's some story of a miracle somewhere. The only person who doesn't have a story is me. What do you do with that? How do you approach God when those are your emotions? And, and, and why was he late to the meeting? Well, maybe if he had legs, he could run to the meeting. But he can't. So he's now got to be carried by other people. Have you ever thought to yourself, if only I had legs like other people, I could have been quicker. But if people really knew my dysfunction, if people really knew my addiction, if people really knew my scars, if people really knew what I have to carry on a daily, weekly basis, it's good for everybody else to run because they've got legs, but I'm paralyzed. What do you do when you want to follow God and you want to believe the goodness of God, but you can't seem to do what other people are doing? You're going, God, that's not fair. And everyone's going, yeah, I got here first, I'm on the first row, I'm on the second row, and here here you are. Have you ever wondered, God, if only I had the marriage they had, if only I had the education they had, if only I had the health they had, the wife they had, the husband they had, if only I had the job they had, if only I was in their shoes, I would be further on. But it's because of my condition that I am left behind. Have you ever felt? Like in life, you're just lagging behind. Everyone else is like going and you're just standing there going, okay for you, you've got legs. I don't. If you've got legs, you can run. 
But if you're paralyzed, you now need to be carried. Have you ever wondered at any time, God, why is it that I seem to carry loads that other people don't have to? I mean, you compare your life with other people and say, you think, everybody else's life looks amazing. My life is just drama. Anyone else? It's just like, like getting through the day is an accomplishment for me. Because the weight I have to carry in here between these years, just to get to the end of the day, I'm just glad that I made it to the end of the day. And everyone else is just running. What do you do? So they come to the door. And guess what? The door is blocked. Look at that verse 4. Since they could not get him to see Jesus because of the crowd. So these guys come to the meeting late. I would like to think, right? I would like to think that if this happened here at King's Church and, and our room was full and, and we saw a paralyzed man coming in through that door, four men carrying him, I'd like to think we would, like to, we would have the decency in here to say, hey, let's give up our seats or let's make way. Let's, let's try and get this poor guy in. Nobody moved. Everyone's blocking the door. Not your enemies. Jesus followers. <laughs> Not a single person budged. Have you ever gone and stood before a door with expectation? Only for that door to be closed by people who you thought should be kind. You would think that Jesus' followers would be kind and loving and generous and give up their seats or their places. What do you do when you're stuck in your paralysis and the reason is that people are just not kind? What do you do? Where do you go with that? Because you can't call customer service because the meeting, in the meeting, is Jesus. So who do you call? You can't call Jesus. Because it's Jesus' meeting that did this to you. And at that moment, a lot of followers of Jesus Christ get offended, get hurt, leave the church, go from one church to the next church to the next church to the next church to the next church because it's they that are wrong and they didn't smile at me and they did this to me and they treated me this way and we live the rest of our life in offense because we went with such expectation to an open door only to find that the door is now closed by people you thought should like you. Sometimes the hardest people to forgive is your dad, your mom, your close friends, your wife, your husband. You know why? Because you expect better from them. You expect them to be the people who open doors for you, yet they end up shutting the very doors that you think they should open. What do you do when you're left in a scenario like that? So these four people say, hey, listen, I have an idea. I don't know who said it. So let's climb on top of the building. We're going to dig a, a hole on the roof and uh, I'm so glad they lived back in the day. If it was today, my trustees would have sued me for health and safety regulations. So you're not allowed to do that now. They go up and uh, 
And they opened the roof of a, me- of a meeting room where Jesus is preaching. Can you imagine how distracting that is? Jesus is preaching and all of a sudden there's sound coming from the roof. The demolishing of a roof is not a quiet job, is it? And so now because of your paralysis, you're not just a disturbance to your mates, now you're a disturbance to Jesus. Have you ever felt like your condition is not just disturbing people? You're thinking, God, my life, if people even knew it, they would think I'm an embarrassment to Jesus Christ himself. Have you ever thought of that? What do you do? Because you're paralyzed and you've, you've got nothing. So the hole gets bigger and bigger, assume, because it's got to be big enough to let a man down. The guy is paralyzed, so you can't let him down vertical. You've got to let him down horizontal because he's paralyzed. Imagine how big that hole is. So they lower him bit by bit to the floor. And as he's doing that, the Bible says, it lowered the paralyzed man. Jesus saw their faith and he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. He didn't come there for the forgiveness of the sins. He came there because he was paralyzed and he needed a miracle. And Jesus says this, so he, Jesus departs from his sermon starts to address this man and say, son, your sins are forgiven. Some people who were sitting there, they were, very, they were experts of the law, the teachers of the law, thinking, hey, you can't say that. You're blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And Jesus obviously could understand their thoughts. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? And he said these words. Which is easier to say, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But so that you may know the Son of Man has authority on for, to earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, take your mat, go home. And he was healed that very instant. There was a story of two friends who went to visit an art gallery. <clears throat> and they're walking around this art gallery looking at various paintings, and they loved art. And they came to this painting that, uh, that they both enjoyed. And, uh, and the painting was of a chessboard with chess pieces on it. The name of the painting was Checkmate. And uh, it was a fascinating painting. And so one of the friends said, that was good. He moved on to the next painting. And he looked back and he realized that his friend was captivated by this painting. And he wasn't moving from there. And he said to him, mate, listen, let's go. Let's go on to, there's so many more paintings to see. He said, no, 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 no. I just need to pause here a minute. He said, what, do you, what is it that is so fascinating about this painting? And he, he said, the reason I'm really fascinated by this painting is because this painting is of a chessboard and the name of the painting is Checkmate. But the problem I have with this painting is that according to my observation, the king has one more move. The king has one more move. Do you know that no matter what closed door is in front of you, the king always has one more move. One more move. 
He's got one more move. In my life, the doctor said, this is it. This is the last move. Look, he stopped breathing. He stopped eating. He stopped drinking. The pupils in his eyelids have gone back. His skin has turned blue. Everybody gave up hope except God because he knew that he had one more move. And some of you are sitting here today and going, I missed my first opportunity and everybody else got healed except me. Well, I want to prophesy to you. The king has one more move. Some of you are sitting there going, God, I carry load more than I can bear. And that's why sometimes I'm so late. If only I didn't have this load, I would be further on in life. Well, I want to speak to your heart and say, the king has one more move. Some of you are thinking, if I had legs like everybody else, if I had money like everybody else, I'd be further on. I don't have what they have. But if that is you, I want to speak to your heart and mind. The king has one more move. Some of you have gone to the front of an open door and you've hoped that you would get through. Maybe it was a new job. Maybe it was a new position. Maybe it was inheritance that was meant to come to you through a family. But as you got to the door, some people you thought were supposed to be kind to you sat there and closed the door for you. You thought that was the end. But I came here to announce that the king has one more move. And maybe you got to a place where you thought, my goodness, my life is a disturbance to Jesus Christ himself. Why is it that now I am not just having private pains and private embarrassments, now I've got public embarrassments because in front of everybody, I am the reason why there is a hole in the roof. And if you are here and you are living in shame, I want to speak to your shame and say, King Jesus has one more move. He's got one more move. You can't look back at the first visit and say, that was the end. My chance is gone. Your chance is never gone. As long as Jesus is on the throne, as long as you have breath in your lungs, there is another chance, another opportunity. Some of you came here thinking, I've blown it. They've blown it for me. This is the end. I've just got to make do with second. But as long as God is alive and as long as you can trust him, I want to say to you, the king is one more move. He looks at this man and says, son, your sins are forgiven. Some people don't like the fact that Jesus spoke that way. So Jesus said, listen, I'm going to use this as a teaching example to show people that not only can I forgive sins, but through the demonstration of my healing, I will prove to people. That I can forgive sins. So Jesus said to them, so that you all know, all of you who doubted me, so that all of you know that I have authority to forgive sins. I'm going to say to this man, Sam, take up your mat and go home. I'm going to ask you a question this afternoon. What if your public shame is going to become God's opportunity to display his authority in and through your life? You will never be ashamed of your scars again. You will never be ashamed of your pain again. You will never be ashamed of the public embarrassment you went through again. Why? Because in the hands of God, he's got one more move. And he can use that very story to display his authority. He said, son, take up your mat and go home. I want to release a few promises to you. And if this promise applies to you, you grab it. You know what I mean? In here, you grab it 
And he said, that's mine. That's going to be my story. Because anytime the word of God is being released, how you activate it is by believing and confessing. That's how we receive our salvation. And that's how we're meant to go on. So if this is for you, you say, that's mine. And you confess it. Here's the first thing. The first thing Jesus says is, stand up and take your mat. Take what? Your mat. Up until that moment, it was the mat that carried him. From that moment, he begins to carry the mat. And I want to say to some of you, the things that you thought were necessary to carry you, you won't need them anymore because you now have the strength to carry it. And you will publicly witness and testify to the fact that once upon a time, that was my identity. It used to be my crutch. It used to be the thing that I relied on because of my dysfunction. But the things that I relied on, I don't have to rely on anymore. And that very thing that I thought I had to rely on, I don't have to rely on anymore. Why? Because God has displayed His authority in my life. Not only do I not need it, I can now carry it. Take your mat. Can you imagine what that felt? Rolling that mat that carried Him. I don't even know for how long. Imagine what it felt like holding that in his hand, thinking, I never thought I'd master you, but I've mastered you today. I thought I'd need you for the rest of my life. I don't need you anymore. And some of you are today battling addiction and battling sin and battling secret things that are going on in your life. And I want to tell you that is not really the issue. Those are the, those are the things you fall back on. Those are the crutches you fall back on for the real pain that is really below. Because you really haven't experienced the joy of the Lord in all His fullness. So I want to say to you today, rather than live in shame because of your sin and because of your addiction, remember... Remember, God is speaking to you today. You think you will never be able to carry it? No, you can master it. You won't have to fall back on it for the rest of your life. Today, if you will believe it and receive it and confess it and thank God for it, you can master the things that you thought you will need for the rest of your life. So rather than get to be known as the person that needs a crutch all the time. You know, after you have a a, a function, a dysfunction for a while. People label you by your dysfunction, don't you? The paralyzed one. The blind one. The rejected one. The one that was not good in school. The one that dad walked away from. The one who doesn't even know who their mom is. The one that can never land a boyfriend or a girlfriend or whenever they're in a relationship, before you know it, they're in the next one because nobody likes them or sticks with them. Sooner or later, labels can stick. But I'm prophesying today in Jesus' name. The king has one more move. You don't have to be your label. You are a child of God. That is your label. And whatever label has stuck on your life that's not been helpful, God is about to change it because he has one more move. Take your man. And then he says these words. Go home. Question, question, question. Go home, go home, go home, go home. So how is he going to go home? Back through the wall. No, he's not Superman. How, how is he going to go home? The only way he can go home is if he goes back to the door that was closed in the first place. Can you imagine what it felt like in the room? And Jesus gave the instruction, go home. All of a sudden, people are giving way. 
Say this way, please. The door is this way. The door is this way. The door is this way. All the people who were turning their backs on you and said, no way, no entry, and you saw their backs, all of a sudden they're standing and applauding the miracle of God in your life. Why? Because when you think that the door has been shut, it's not that the door has been shut. It just had to open in a different way than you thought you realized. And if for some of you, you are sitting and crying over closed doors, I want you to stop crying and start confessing that the king has one more move. And the very doors that you thought you needed, you don't need anymore. But God will make sure that those doors open anyway for the glory and the display of his authority. I don't know if you've ever done this. You've been in a hurry and sometimes I'm in a hurry and then I'm going and, and, I, and I go and, and I go and, and I, I, I see a door. And then, and then, and then I'm in a hurry because I'm not watching and then I try and, and go to the door. And then I, I try and walk through as if the door is open. And it doesn't open because I'm trying to push my way in. Then I take a step back and then bold letters on the door, it says pull. <laughs> I'm trying to push. And sometimes that's what we do with doors. You say, God, I thought that was a door. 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 Why did that door close? Why did that door close? Maybe it was not that the door was closed. Maybe the door was open all along. And instead of pushing, you needed to pull. And sometimes God has got to open the door from the inside out instead of the outside in. I want to proclaim and declare over your lives that this is the season of open doors. Not in the way you thought. Not in your ability. Not in the way you can make it happen. But God is going to open doors for you that you cannot open yourself. God is going to fling wide open doors in business, in careers, in relationships, not because you tried it, because every time you tried, the door closed in your face. But today, God is here to open doors for you. He has one more move. He has one more move. And imagine that See, I would love to have been a fly on the wall. Just watch everybody go this way. Son, take up your mat and go home. Can we go to the previous verse? I tell you, get up, take up your mat and go home. I wonder what he felt like when he walked through that door. Because once upon a time, he was at that door trying to get in. And there's memories of what happened. He wasn't vertical at the time. He was horizontal. Thinking, ah. But this time, he's walking through the same door, but different direction. I wonder what he felt like when he got to this moment. To the door. Because you see, now that he's on the receiving end of the miraculous touch and the authority of God, every pain of closed doors starts to disappear. Do you know sometimes you can finish an event, a bad event in your life, and 10 years later the bad memories still linger? How many of you know what I'm talking about? You're over it, but not really over it. The people who did it to you are gone. They've moved on, but you're not over it because the pain of the closed door is still lingering. I want to say to you, God in his kindness is going to open doors for you that will heal that pain. 
that will where you will look at the exact same situation again and say hey this was my area of pain business was always my area of pain relationships was always my area of pain my relationship with my parents it was always my area of pain my sin was always my area but you will walk through those same doors this time with held with your head held high why because the goodness and the kindness of god will heal every hurt every rejection every disappointment every regret in your life the king has one more move he has one more move so you must remember before this story started what was jesus doing he was preaching he was teaching the room was full and so he takes a break and starts doing this miracle and all of a sudden this man's dysfunction this man's delay this man's this man's wait this man's missed opportunity has become a point of amazement and and God's display of power and look at verse 12 it says as he was going look at the reaction of the people he got up took his mat and walked out in full view of them all i want to say to you when god honors you he's not going to do it privately but in full view of everybody who doubted you rejected you and most exercised you god is able to bring you into a place of honor and blessing and some of you are sitting here and licking your wounds of rejection rather than do that look up your king is on the scene and he has one more move and he is getting ready to honor you for every public shame and embarrassment you went through honor is coming your way went out and they were amazed this amazed everyone and they praised god saying we have never seen anything like it. That's what my doctor said to my parents. When the miracle happens, I've never seen anything. How many of you would like for people to look at your life and say, we have never seen any? How many of you want an unusual miracle? How many of you want a story that's never been heard before? A miracle that's never happened before? A breakthrough that has never occurred before? A healing that has never happened before? A promotion that has never happened before? Where God comes through and pushes open doors when people stand in the way and say no he comes and says yes they were amazed and they praised god may your life be the reason why people break out in praise of god may your story be the reason why people begin to worship god may your marriage be the reason why people lift their hands and say truly i have never seen anything like this may the way you come through your addiction be the way people go surely god is amazing Can you imagine the healing that did to his psychology? Can you imagine the healing that did to his worth, his self-worth? Can you imagine the healing that did to his own perception of how other people viewed him? Can you imagine the years of hurt and rejection and coming second and coming last and dragging your feet and never being there on time all of a sudden the tables have changed why because God decided to put his spotlight on one person and Jesus says he saw their faith and he healed him and today the holy spirit is asking you the same question do you have faith to believe that the king has one more move because if you write yourself off that is complete disagreement with how god views you and so that's arrogance unbelief is just arrogance because that means you deserve you reserve the right to have an opinion about yourself that's different from god's you can't 
He is Lord. He is King. One of my friends said, he's not a politician to be bargained with and negotiated with. He is a master to be obeyed. So if he says he's got another move, you better obey that and agree with that decree over your life. And God is saying to you today, he's not done with you. Your rejection is not final. Your closed door is not final. So the way you respond is by faith to say, I believe that door is mine. He goes home. I don't know why he did that. Because you know what we pastors are like? We'll be like, oh, thank you for coming to King's Church. You received your healing. Please stay back for the rest of the service. But Pastor Jesus is like, go home, mate. Go home. And what happens after he goes home? He says, we've never seen anything like this. Verse 13. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him and he began to teach them. In other words, the meeting continues, but this time at a different location. It's at the beach instead of in a house. So this one man's interruption enlarged the venue. Because Jesus said, from now on, not a single person will have to meet a closed door again. Because as long as the meeting's at the beach, no one can send you away. You're not stuck. You don't have to climb up a roof and build a hole. You don't have to do anything. Could it be possible that some of the struggles you've been through is because other people could have a breakthrough as a result of you? Do you know that the reason why we are here is because other people have fought battles that we haven't had to fight? Do you know that the reasons why we're here is because people have prayed prayers through and won victories that we don't even know about and we will never know about? Could it be just possible that God is using your life to expand His influence, that through your life, the kingdom of God is expanding bit by bit? And sometimes you can look at us and say, well, how can I have, how can I be a person that expands the kingdom of God? How can I be? Because I can't prophesy. I can't go out on the street and heal the sick. I can't lead worship. I can't preach. I can't do kids work. I'm not strong in faith. Here's my question. Do you have a dysfunction? God can use that. Do do you have a dysfunction? Do you have a paralysis somewhere? Somewhere where you're stuck? What if God can use that for the expansion of his kingdom? What if he's not just looking at the gift of prophecy and healing and I do all of that and I'm not belittling that I still practice that. But sometimes we can look at all the good things that we're meant to have in order to be used by God. But I want to say to you, God can use your regret. He can use your pain. He can use your scars. He can use your wounds. He can use your rejection. He can use your closed doors. He can use your addiction. There is nothing my God cannot use. He uses it. And all of a sudden, they're at a bigger venue. And I want to say to you, don't be afraid of your scars. My friend, are you okay to give me some more keys in the background again? I want to speak to certain people in this room today. Some of you are like that man on that mat. Your story has become your identity. Some of you are so sick and tired of your mom because you were always number two. Somebody else was always the favorite. And you lived forever in comparison to people who had legs. 
your mom said, why can't you walk like her? Why can't you run like her? Why can't you study like her? And you're going, but I'm paralyzed. I'd love to. I'd love to be in the room with the rest of them. But I'm always seem to be the one that needs carrying. The one that needs somebody to talk to and cry on a shoulder and say everything is going to be okay. I want to say to you, the king has one more move in your life. You are not what your mom said you are. You are not your label. You are not an addict. You are not a victim. You are not an unfortunate person. You are not cursed. I speak over your life. You are a child of God. And the king that is here, King Jesus, has one more move in your life. You have always been known as the person that needs carrying. But from today onwards, you will start carrying the things that carried you. You will start mastering the things that mastered you. You will reign over the things that reigned over you. You will rule over the things that ruled over you. You are not your story. You are not your story. You are who God says you are. Have simple faith today. The king has one more move. There is a reason you were in the room today. You could have been anywhere else, but you are sitting here under the sound of my voice because God wants to speak to you and say healing is yours today. Healing is yours today. Can I pray for you? What's your name? Sorry? Ina? Lena? Lena, can you come to the front, please? Can I pray for you? Lift your hands. Come, somebody come stand with me, please, with Lena. Thank you, Father. Thank you for Lena. In the name of Jesus, I pray Lena will be known as the person that carries the things that carried her. Whereas in the past, you have always had to rely on a crutch, not because of any fault of yours. And you had to live in comparison and under the shadow of other people, God is getting ready to publicly honor you, publicly promote you, publicly validate you, so that your self-worth, your glory, the way you view yourself and the way others view you, will completely change. Every wound that may have existed from the family, I heal today by the power of the blood and the voice that I declare today that, Lord, you have one more move. In the name of Jesus, I reach into your past and set right everything that is not right. Every person that closed a door at you, every person that walked away from you, every time you thought, Lord, I carry load that is higher and heavier than anybody else. Today, those stories come to an end. This is your season for a miracle and I declare in your life the days of open doors are here the days of public honor is here the days of expanded influence is here and God will use your life for the expansion of his kingdom simply believe in the name of Jesus amen thank you leader thank you leader hey I want to ask you this question who here feels like that man decide in your heart today that you're going to release faith so that your story changes thank you for listening and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today for further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www. 
www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.